Hello, everybody, and welcome back to Tell Us What's in the Box. Yeah, um, yeah, I'm Danny, and I'm with Joanna, of course. And we are back. I know we sort of there's been stuff going on. Y'all don't even want to hear about it. But uh, we are y'all don't want to. There is enough gestures to the wide open world. Yes, (laughs) yes. So, uh, but we're back and we are talking about the 2021 movie. Um, yep. 2021 movie, uh, Nightmare Alley directed by Guillermo del Toro starring Bradley Cooper, Rooney Mara, uh, Kate Blanchett. I had Ron Perlman in it, had William Dafoe in it. Uh huh. Yeah, yeah. So we're talking about that today, and our just our brief discussion before we start recording. It sounds like we have a lot to say. Yes. Um, so I mean, I personally, I love Guillermo del Toro. Um, he's one of my favorites. He's in the top up there. Um, even if I don't <laughs> always appreciate that, the I mean, Crimson Peak. Yeah, 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 yeah. But we're not talking about that one today. But um, you know, but I still love his aesthetic. I still love that that I can see his voice. Like I would know it's a Guillermo del Toro movie, even yeah. if I didn't hadn't been told. Um, I love that he has a really strong voice. I love the aesthetic that he gets. Um, so I was really excited to watch this. But um, why don't you go ahead and get us started, Joanna? Since I introduced us in here, what what would you like to talk about first in terms sure. of relationship? So, I mean, okay, before we get into relationships, I had no idea really what to expect with this film. Like I read the description of it and I'm like, oh, okay. You know, um, it was a lot of different things to me. Um, There are a lot of relationships in here because basically the whole thing was about relationships and past and stuff. Yes. 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 continue you didn't know what to expect I did not know what to expect um oh did we say that Tony Collette was in this oh we I missed Tony Collette I don't know how I did but (laughs) Tony Collette I don't I don't know how horror queen oh queen 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 Queen. yes Um, Tony Collette it was so you can tell it's good because we have to take a minute yes. <laughs> to start to talk about it. Do you I tell mean, it? Well, if not good, it was interesting. It, it did a lot. If you tell we need to take a second to kind of. It did a lot. And I think with the way. So, okay. So to, uh, let's start with Bradley Cooper's character. Characters. I'm blinking on, uh, on his. Stanton Carlisle. Stanton Carlisle. Carlisle. Um, Stanton. Stan for short. They call them Stan. <laughs> You know, his relationship with everybody around him, um, he came across as very toxic, as very Mm -hmm. narcissistic, um, Mm -hmm. you know, very much like the crazy extreme risk-taking business man like mm-hmm. ideas, ventures, whatever of I'm not, not just of that time, but of like ever, um, except, you know, he's trying to con 
people out of money. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so you, you just know the entire time that it's, it was, it was very frustrating to have this, his character be the protagonist and watch. Yeah, Cause him. he kept doing stuff and you're like, you gotta know that's not it's not cool, right? Like you gotta know that that's not gonna end. He well. knows well, so least- many decisions. Like, like he's been yeah. told he kn- he should. You know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. there's no, you know, like it's just, it's just so many decisions that were just like, really, you gotta know that's not gonna end good. You gotta know that that's not gonna end good. Yeah. You know? Yeah. I mean, he just sucked the life out of everyone around him, or. And it's ambiguous as to whether or not this was intentional, but that, that old man's life, you know, when he gave him the bottle of basically what amounted to poison versus the sweet water. Yeah. Um, as, as soon as, uh, well, William Defoe was showing Brad Bradley Cooper the differences between yeah, the red and the you blue knew box. That was I'm gonna, like, yeah, yeah, that is coming be. back. I don't know how it's going to come back, but it's going to. And then old old drunk man was asking him for some sweet water. We see Brad Bradley Cooper go okay, and he puts a thing, you know, a payment in in the tin, and then he grabs something, and then you but you don't see out of which box. Uh, well, tell us what's in that box. That's the poison box. And as soon as that happened, I'm like, oh no, this old man is going to die. Mm-hmm. This fucking sucks, you know? But then based yeah. on. His- and just as a side note, I knew I recognized the guy who was playing Pete, the older. Oh, who, guy. Who, who? Yeah. Uh, you know, the actor's name, but I, but I, he looked so familiar and he was in the river wild with, with, Meryl Streep and Kevin Bacon, like way back in the wow. day. And I loved that movie because I love Kevin Bacon. So yeah. like when I saw this guy, it was like, why do I know? I was like, oh, he was in that Kevin Bacon movie. He was the husband oh to Meryl Streep and stuff. And he's one of those guys like yeah. that has been in uh, a lot of things, but he did really good here. I thought the acting here was really, really on point. I thought everybody. Yeah. Everybody was on it. And, and I loved his, his acting, uh, the Pete's acting that the older guy, the older mentalist yeah. and Bradley Cooper pulled it out too. Um, yeah. I mean, everything about this movie was exquisitely done. It was just a rough one to watch emotionally because yeah. you're watching this guy use everybody around him and his fucking girlfriend. What, what's her name? Molly. 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 She's electricity lady, you know, Mm -hmm. has what is arguably the most badass show. And he just fucking takes her out of doing something that she's that she enjoys away from her carny sideshow family and then turns her into like an assistant that mostly stands off to the side majority of the entire show. Like that pissed me off the most. And like having to sit through this entire film, watching this incredibly douchebag of, of a man of a character, like 
ruin the lives of people around him, ruin his girl girlfriend's life, and then, you know, ruin his own life by taking on this big risky thing. Yeah. And yet at the end, you still feel bad for him. That's the right. fucked up part. Yeah. You wish he would have be- learned his lesson. You know, you wish he would have now that he's down and out and at yeah. his most low, you know, you kind of wish he had some sort of epiphany. You know, yeah, and I can't tell. I, I mean, I mean, well, we'll kind of get to the end because the end is is very interesting. But the yeah. but the basis of it is, you have this man, Bradley Cooper's character, Stanley Carlisle, and he's obviously had a rough life up until then. The first thing we see is him putting a body under the floorboards and burning the house down. That's the first thing we see. And then he's going into this carnival and he meets up with Clem William Defoe's character who mm-hmm. kind of sees that something's going on with him and is like, hey, at least here, no one judges you, right? And, yeah. and so he decides to stay there because he has nowhere else to go after all this. And we don't exactly know why or what happened with this, you know, um, it's just we know, kind of know that it was bad and there were all these things going on. And he ends up, you know, starting to learn the carny life and asking people to teach him things. And he ends up having an aptitude for, for it. Um, oh, and shout out to Jim Beaver, AKA Bobby from Supernatural in it. Oh my God. That's I thought I recognized him. <laughs> he was the sheriff guy that oh, comes in shit. and like got shystered. Yeah. <laughs> Any supernatural fans out there? Yeah. Yeah. Um, I don't know what it is. I have a thing for like I can pretty much I can pick out actors pretty well, usually. Usually pretty well. Yeah, but, yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, uh, and and he finds he has an aptitude for it, you know, and and he just kind of and and the cool part about it is everything in the beginning part of the movie is set up for things that happen later. Like the things that he learns, like about tarot and about carny life and about cold reading people and about mentalism and about the dangers and about the show itself and everything like that all come back later um, and stuff. And, and the biggest, I, I mean, because I think the biggest and, and the one we should talk about first is his relationship, you know. With, with with himself or other people, as you said, because that's really what it evolves around. Yeah. I mean, you can talk about individual relationships, like his relationship with Xena, um, you know, Tony Collette's character who lived with Pete, who taught him mentalism and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. And um, but but really it is about how he his relationship just with other people in general. Yeah. Um, which becomes clearer and clearer as it goes on that he really doesn't hold them in high esteem. Yeah. You know, he's like, people are just out to use, you know, people are users, you know, and he can't conceive of anything else. And, you know, he mentioned that his father was similar, um, at one point, Mm -hmm. um, but I'm not my father. I'm not like my father. I, I'm not like him. You know, at least I yeah. admit that I'm a that I'm a you know that I'm a, that I'm a con man. At least I admit <laughs> that I that this is what I do. And he thinks that somehow makes him better. 
you know, because well, she doesn't sees- actually admit though. Right, right, like, right. Yeah. But he thinks he sees the truth, quote unquote, like that. Yeah. The world is just like a big con and people are always out to get each other and whatever. And yeah. so by that, by, by them, because he treats everything like that, he ruins everything that even has a slight chance of being real and having real people care about him in a real way, you know? I mean, yeah. and, and, and it's, you know, there are people like that. You know, I mean, that that's what makes movies and stuff very real as you can see, see real people in it. And, and you know that there are people who feel that way, that the world is just without compassion, mm-hmm. that people are always using each other. And that if, if you want to survive, you got to do the same thing. Yeah. You know, you, you got to do the same thing. Yeah. Except the irony is everybody the entire time was showing him kindness and compassion. Right. Yeah. Right. You know, I mean, he could have had a whole life at the carnival just, yeah. just with Molly, you know, doing the show and helping, you know, he could have, yeah, he really could have. Um, so but talk- it wasn't enough. Yeah. It wasn't enough. It, it wasn't it- enough. Yeah. It had, it had to be him, but speaking of Molly, so now I, I getting on the topic of their relationship. Do you think he genuinely loved Molly? Even if she came second to him being, you know, a star con man. I don't think he knows how. Like, mm-hmm. that's my thing. Yeah. Like, I don't think he would know what to do with it. I think he cared about her and the fact that she was helping him. You know, but honestly, looking at the evidence, like the evidence in the movie. Yeah, he saw her. uh, He saw her act. Right. Yeah. He was attracted to her. He saw a way that he could get in on it. He saw a way that he could use her to get farther. Like he told her. You know, we have an act that could be, you know, headlining and lounges and and whatever, you know, we can get out of here and this stuff. So I think. No. Yeah. No. Uh, You know, I mean, that may be brutal and maybe somebody else has some. But I really think that he. Didn't realize till the end really that it that and she left and he was like completely without anything Mm -hmm. where he had where he had gotten himself yeah and you know and who knows if he realized it even then maybe he just thought oh I wasn't a good enough con man like I didn't get away with it and that's why he was upset you know what I mean yeah he's I definitely think at the very end, he's more upset because this reality that he had built for himself, where he put him at the center of everyone else's worlds, you know, that illusion was completely shattered. So you see him like worse off than when we first met him. Right. So Mm -hmm. it's definitely a reverse hero's journey. And I know that's not the best example for it, but like, that's the only thing that I can think of. Um, you know, whereas other people 
were smart enough to let him go or to get out so they wouldn't get dragged down with him. Right. Yeah. And, And they tried. Like, I mean, they they came over literally like um, when his three friends showed up at the hotel. Yeah. Like Zena tried to tell him again, like, don't do this. Don't. Yeah. Don't do this. Because what the guy was saying was completely right. He yeah. started to buy into his own bullshit and then realize how seriously everyone else take, you know, like the damage that he could do. Yeah. You know, by taking it too far, you know? Yeah. And he saw examples of how Xena handled it. Right. So we see example like Xena telling her the truth, you know, yeah. and saying, you know, this is this is what happened to this lady because she didn't want to cause more. Right. She didn't want to yeah. have this lady hanging on, you know, and and he didn't have that line. He didn't have that boundary and figured it wasn't for him, you mm-hmm. know, like, like, you know, and, uh, and, and it bit him in the ass because it turned out everybody was right. You yeah. can't, you can't do like, it's it, like Pete was right. You know, that whole scene where he says, this is dangerous because you start to believe it and you start to hurt people yeah. with it. If you do that. Um, Pete told him that was like the last thing he told him when he yep. brought him back the alcohol. That was the last conversation they had. Yeah. And, you know, saying that's why I don't do it anymore. Mm-hmm. Like, I, I don't, you know, I help out Zena, but I don't do this anymore because of that. Yeah. And I forget, I forget the phrasing he used to call it, but he had a phrase for it of, of what happens when yeah. you're at that point. And, um, you know, and, and he didn't, he thought he was different, you know, and, and he was not, you know, and, and he was, you know, I don't blame Molly for being like, not believing him when he was like, this is the last time, you know, blah, blah, blah. You know, we're not going to just, you know, just do this, you know, when he needed her. Yeah. Cause I mean, what else is she going to do? Right. I mean, she, got swept away by this guy who it's not directly addressed in the film, but how his relationship with Molly plays out throughout the film, they end up being this very stereotypical for the time, like working man, you know, woman off to the side who doesn't have a say and how her and her husbands or boyfriends or whoever like biz- business is run, but she's still expected to work. So she essentially went from having her own show and making her own money to basically being yeah. trapped by, by this dude. Right. You know? And it was extra sad because when their relationship started, she was very hesitant yeah. and she was very clear that like, she didn't do that. You know what I mean? Because, because she'd been hurt, you know, and like promises are broken and, and all of this stuff, Yeah, you know? So she was very hesitant to, to get involved with him at all, but he kind of broke her down and, uh, and I know, yeah, we don't know what happened to her. So I'm pretty sure she's okay. 
You know, yes. we, we just see her leave. So I'm pretty sure she's okay. She's fine. She's a smart girl. She probably took some, some money with her or whatever, you know, but she's, she's fine. It, yeah. It, all of that just reminded me of like bad things. And I had a point and now it's I, gone. Oh, um, I'm sorry. I, I mean, well, I can repeat what I was saying no. about like, he broke her down and convinced her. Oh, yes. The entire time, like I even think like a little bit before that, there was always something off about Bradley Cooper's character. Like I just inherently didn't trust him. And I think it was because of that opening scene. And like you knew he burnt down the house. And to me, that was very symbolic of him trying to break his relationship with the past and start over, you know, and I'll get into the relationship with who I think is his dad. Right. Um, mm-hmm. the guy but, in the bed. Yes. Yeah, yeah. His dad. Yeah. You know, so he tries to start a new life and then, you know, Molly comes in the picture and he's all flirty with her and like saying all these really like, pie high in the sky type mm-hmm. things and I'm like red flag red flag red flag red flags are going off I'm like oh girl do not get in the truck with him and leave because you can kiss your career as an awesome electricity producing flowing woman goodbye yeah like yeah yeah and others even kind of suspected it too because you had like Ron Perlman's character coming up to him and being like yo like you heard her, you know, like, like even yeah. they, you know, were kind of like, you know, what are, what are you doing? You know? Yeah. It's like, uh, you, it's like you break her heart. I break your face type, type uh-huh. deal, you know? And at, at first there is like this little thing of like, oh, maybe they're just being like a little overprotective, but then within the next five minutes, that thought is completely squashed and you're like, oh shit. Yeah, when yeah. it shows him like two years later and he's performing and yeah, she's back there and everything like that. And yeah, yeah. And uh, yeah, I mean, it, yeah, this movie, I mean, I'm assuming because we're talking like everyone has seen it. So we're not doing incredible like summary or anything. So we're assuming if you're listening to this, you've seen it. Yeah. But the movie is not, I mean, it doesn't end well, it doesn't end pleasantly. It doesn't end happily, you know, and and it's really about, I mean, gosh, you know, it's about it gets the clockwork orange ending. Like, even though you watch this dude be a complete and utter asshole to all the people around him and he ends up being tortured in some way, whether that's, you know, like Mm. literal torture or like just being emotionally tortured because now you have nothing and yet you still feel bad for him at the end. Like I have always like struggled with that sort of empathetic relationship as, you know, like a member of the audience to watching like a shitty person be shitty and then they lose everything. And yet I still don't, I don't feel happy about it. Right. So I wonder, you know, like what, what is it? I don't know. Is it, 
is it horror? Is it empathy? Is it sadness? Is it darkness? Depression? It's, what it's, I think it is, yeah. is personally, mm-hmm. I think it's the thing that everybody tries to achieve. When we say you don't have to have a likable character, mm-hmm. you just have to understand them, right? You don't have to agree with their actions. You don't have to agree with how they handle things. You don't have to agree with their decisions. You don't have to. Yeah think they're a good person, but you have to understand, right? You have to understand if you understand there's that connection. That's why we feel bad for villains sometimes. And that's why we feel bad for Bradley Cooper's character, because while we get him, we understand, we understand how somebody can get to that point where they don't trust anybody. Yeah. And that they, they feel like they're in survival mode. And because they're in survival mode, they tear down the very support structures that are trying to be built around them. Yeah. Because they don't see them as that because they are hobbled in some way. Mm-hmm. And you understand that maybe, maybe if their life had been different, maybe if they had learned different lessons, it wouldn't be like that. Yeah. You know what I mean? But you can see with Bradley Cooper's character. I mean, there are some that are just, I mean, you know, you're talking about like, you know, Michael Myers or somebody like that. Yeah. I mean, there's no. Yeah. But for a lot of, a lot of times when you see these people, you see that they, that what they have is a trauma coping mechanism. Yeah. That what they have is something that they have used to cope with and they don't realize when they don't need it anymore. Yeah. They don't realize when, when it is no longer benefiting them. And that's what happened with Bradley Cooper's character. He had these, these, these responses in place Mm -hmm. for reasons that we, we gather, you know, from what was said about his father and the way he treated his father and what he said about his father, we gather that he needed these things to survive. Yeah. And if you can't get past that, when you're past that mode of having to survive, if you can't get past that, then you start being detrimental to yourself. Yep. And then it's just a Shakespearean tragedy, which is really what this is. I mean, this is a Shakespearean tragedy in the true sense. Yeah. What happens to him is fully through his own decisions. And that's that's kind of the quintessential Shakespearean tragedy is that it's tragedy because it's fully because of the choices the character makes that lands them in the situation that they are in. And And it's tragic. And that's what we feel. We feel that it is a tragic situation that he could have avoided and only if he had pulled his head out of his own ass <laughs> yeah and and seen what he had yeah and 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 we feel that because i think deep down we all have things like that we all have situations we've ended up in that we realize yeah. were fully because of our own decisions that we made Hi. i know i have <laughs> i know i have i mean I, I can't you know, immediately at least three come to mind without oh, even yeah. having to think about it too hard of situations I ended up in. I did not want to be in, but my decisions fully led to that situation yeah. in the first place. 
you know, so I can't really say, you know, should you feel bad for me in that sense? Well, well, maybe, but you still can't get away from the fact I landed myself there, you know? Yeah. And, and that's what happens. And that's why we feel for it because it is such a human thing to do. That's why Shakespeare is still relevant today. And that's why we still feel for those stories, even though they're tragic. Even though Alex in Clockwork Orange, like you were saying, a rapist, yeah. a psychopath, yeah. uh, everything. Yeah. He got where he is through his own decisions. Yes. Yet you still, you know, it, it, it I think, still is there. You I know? think also too, like by the time, and I think this also, you know, Brad, sorry, Bradley Cooper's character's name. Stanley Carlisle. Stanley Carlisle. See, because we talked about our flag memes. Stanton. Before, Stanton. I'm sorry. Stanton. <laughs> before, Stanton. Before, we talk, before we started recording, we were talking about our flag means death. So I just want to say Steve Bonnet now, like all, all the time. <laughs> right. <laughs> Speaking of people who get themselves into things and you exactly. feel bad, but you can't say that they don't. And it's so it's such a human thing. It is yeah. such a human thing for that happen on major and minor scales. You know what I mean? Yeah. I mean, getting yourself into a farcical situation that's just hilarious via your own means. Sure. You know, that happens too. Yeah. And then on the other end of just being tragic and you land yourself and, and even his final decision, I mean, I just, you know, I feel like, oh, going back to what I, I got, I got on the tangent of, um, Steed, Steed Bonnet. Um, I feel like in both of those cases in this movie and a clockwork orange, like there is a moment at the end where you see that it clicks for the character and they're like, holy fucking shit i'm a major asshole yeah and then it's like oh you realize this well sorry dude torture is still coming yeah and then it's like not only are they dealing now having to start to deal with guilt and the and the weight of their actions are sitting in now they're going to go through like extreme physical mental and emotional torture yeah you're just like And and the thing with this is, is he, Bradley Cooper's character thought he knew people. He thought he knew people, right? So he figured poking them in these ways wasn't going to create anything that he couldn't handle. Yeah. Right. And I think he started to realize, started to realize when Gimbal confessed what he wanted to confess and said that he hurt those girls. Mm-hmm. I think that's when Bradley Cooper's character started to, when Stanley, uh, when Stanton yeah. started to realize I'm way in over my head. I, I, yeah, you can see it in his face as he's listening that I did not expect this. You know what I mean? Yeah. I don't know what he expected this guy to confess that was burdening his soul, but he, he fully expected whatever it was, he'd be able to handle it. And he couldn't. Yeah. And, and I think he started to realize at that moment, 
that he had that that truly he had crossed the line. He wasn't just feeding bullshit like he did to Molly when he was trying to convince her and saying, oh, I know I crossed the line, blah, 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 blah. Just this one time he was bullshitting that he was just saying that to get her to do this thing. Yeah. But he really realized the truth of it when that guy confessed, when Gimbal confessed that. um, Yeah. That that he had hurt those girls. And that he had caused this man and all the things that he had to confess. Yeah. And, and he did all this for what? For money. For money. For money. And, and, then, and then he realized he had vastly underestimated Kate Blanchett's character too, the psychologist. Yeah. Like he thought he could handle her too and didn't realize. He can't handle a psychologist. He's so dumb. <laughs> I know. You know, like, and she, and I'm fully convinced. I don't know what you thought. Mm-hmm. But we didn't really get like why she did all that. But here's mm-hmm. my thought. And yeah. I don't know what your thought was, but here's my thought. Mm-hmm. She did it because he got close when he was talking and he was trying to show off when she like started to try to confront him. Mm-hmm. And she was saying stuff about power and feeling powerful in front of all those people. Right. Yeah. Trying to get one over on her. And he didn't realize that he was really, really poking a bear there. And so she did what she did just to prove that she had power, that she had power over him. And as good as his trick was, she was better at it. I, yeah. That's what I think. I mean, yeah. I mean, she has that line at the end after she shoots him and what was it? it was like, look, look, am I powerful power- enough now? Am I yeah. powerful enough now? Yeah. 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 And, and I fully think that's why she did it because she wasn't interested in the money. She said as much, it was really about because there's this woman and you get indicators that she has been used. Yeah. A huge scar on her chest, which if I had to guess was Gimbel's fault. When yeah. Because she said he was his psychiatrist. She had worked. It was his her client. Yeah. And um, I think, I think he did that. And yeah. I think that's part of the reason why she sent him over there and with all of that stuff, because she was hoping to get back at Gimbel too. And, um, and then she got word that shit hit the fan and she was, basically like, well, I'm not going down because this is all going to be traced back to me. So, um, and that's why she pretended at the end, like this man, he was in my office, he broke in, da, 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 da. So if anything, if there was ever any police question, it's like, she can point you, nope, found him in my office. Yeah. Yeah. And he made mm-hmm. that copy of, of the Aki. Because he, I mean, she never was going to give that information to him. And he, he, yeah, took it way too far. (laughs) Right. But I think she suspected he would. Yeah. You know what I mean? I think that's kind of what she was counting on. Yeah. But yeah. So he really, you know, he just really was dealing with things way over his head and and people who were who were so traumatized by various mm-hmm. things 
that they were essentially monsters, you know, at that point, you know, yeah. like, and, and he just had no idea how in over his head he was. Yeah. And, and his choices led him there because he had the warnings. He did. Yeah. Even, even she, even, even the, even Kate Blanche's character, doctor, yeah. the doctor. Yeah. She said, you know, do you really want to do this? Because these people deal with things permanently. Yeah. If you get caught, she told him. Yeah. Molly told him his circus friends told him, him. you know, I mean, he had all the outs. He yeah. had all the outs and he just kept having to push. Yep. He kept having to push, you know. And and it had effects, you know. I mean, the the woman character played by Mary Steve version, who I hadn't mm-hmm. seen in anything in forever, but <laughs> you know, caused the lady to be like, "Yeah, I'm gonna join my kid." Blam, blam. Yeah, you know, like Claire that's Clayton. Why you don't do that? Yeah, that's why you don't do that. Yeah. You know, that's why you don't do those things to people. Yeah, and and um. I found it interesting they had tarot in it in a certain way. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. Because tarot, it all right. So here's the here's the thing. I've done tarot for a long time, like 12 years. Since I was mm. not 12 years, since I was 12 years old. Mm. And I'm 42 now. So that's like 30 years yeah. that I've read tarot. And you know, it's one of those things where I don't know if anybody knows this on the show or whatever, but, you know, I'm pagan and I do divination and I do all this stuff. And while I have a belief in it, I feel like I understand that there is a certain amount because why, why are you doing the tarot? You're wanting to get answers. You're wanting to get guidance, mm-hmm. right? And you're trying to facilitate that in a way that is that is distance from yourself, right? Yeah. Yeah. Sometimes it's hard to look at a situation directly and, and try to figure out the right thing to do. And sometimes it might be even hard to just talk to somebody about it. And so tarot kind of offers you a barrier in between yourself and your conscious mind and your conversation yeah. with yourself about the situation. The cards say something, but like I was saying in the, in the, in the beginning, and I said before, we interpret that we, we, you know, I was saying this before the show that we yeah. interpret things via our own things. Cards are cards. The tarot cards are the tarot cards. And I can say whatever I want to say about that card and tell you what it means, but you have to take that information as a person being read to and process that and take the guidance and meaning from it. Yeah. So in a sense, as, as a, as a tarot reader, you are reading the cards, but I will admit that you are just as much reading the person who you are reading. Yeah. It, it is a bit, All right. Full disclosure, it is a bit of a grift. It, it is. It is. Okay. Let, let, I'm gonna, I'll be honest. It is. But like, if someone asks me about it, I'm saying it here. I will say that. I will say, look, mm-hmm. 
this is going to be about you. I can tell you this. This is just guidance. This is just a way to talk to yourself. Like this is not, you know, this is just a venue for you to talk about the things that you need to talk about. It's not fortune telling. Like it's not, it is not, it is absolutely not fortune telling and people mistake divination for that. Yeah. It's possibility. It's paths that you can take. It's things that are forefront of your mind about that, that thing, you know, and as a tarot reader, yes, your job is to look at the cards and see what they mean and everything like that. But you are just as much an unlicensed therapist in a way. (laughs) Yeah. You know, and that's a big responsibility. It is just as much, you know, because that's, that's where I really felt the, um, when the guy was saying that about that stuff, you can't believe your own bullshit. You have to understand what it is you're doing. You have to understand what it is you're providing. Right. And you have to be clear about that. Tarot can be a useful tool. I still have my decks. I still read the cards, but I understand it's a method to yeah. get clarity on things I need clarity on. Yeah. And, and it's, it's not going to work for everybody. It's too. not. Yeah. And I don't know. And it is, it, it is a bit of cold reading. I mean, I used to do it professionally at a, at a bookstore and for like a year or two when I was living in New Hampshire and people come to you and it is just like that in the movie. They come to you with big, heavy problems, right? Mm -hmm. And, and your job is to not make it worse. Yeah. (laughs) And that is a huge responsibility as a huge responsibility is just as much responsibility as this guy. Right. You know, like people believe you, you know, people believe what you're saying and you have to be responsible for it. You have to be. Yeah. That reminds me of a um, murder investigation that happened in Westminster, California, not Mm -hmm. too long ago, I think within the last 10 years, although don't quote me on that because I only heard this once and saw a lot of the evidence photos because I took uh, one of my creative writing classes on a tour of the OC crime lab. (laughs) Um, So, but it relates to fortune telling in that there was this young woman who went to um, some sort of like card divination reader. Um, I don't know what the proper terminology is for it, um, in Vietnam. Um, but that was this community. Um, and you know, the woman wanted, see, now I'm even getting paranoid that like, is Westminster made up of any, Anyways, so I'm a little stoned. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, the woman went, had her fortune read and wanted to know like, hey, is my boyfriend going to get that job? Is he going to ask me to marry him? Are we going to move? Blah, 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 yeah. blah. You know, am I going to get get that job? And the fortune teller equivalent person said yes to all of those things. 
not too long after what happens, none of those things happen. Like she doesn't get her job, her and her boyfriend, like break up. She has, she has to move out. Like all these like things that she was told would happen. The reverse happened. Right. Mm -hmm. And what ended up happening was this woman went back to the fortune teller and murdered her. And her, and her daughter. Wow. Yep. Yep. I'm, I'm sure I, you know, because because I'm trying to remember it, but yeah, I mean, that's the thing, you know, people don't come to you with this stuff for little questions. They don't, you know, it's always, what's the direction my life is going? What, you know, I miss this person. I'm grieving. I'm scared for my relationship. I want to have kids. You know, it's not petty stuff. Yeah. It is not petty stuff. And it's, it's, it's a huge thing. Yeah. To to be responsible for that. It, 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 to, to have somebody coming to you and, and wanting guidance, because if they come to a tarot reader, you know, they've, let's be honest, they probably <laughs> tried a lot of different things, you know, like I'm, I'm, I'm big on, tra- on transparency here, you know, like yeah. they're coming to you because they, 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 they need that they, because they've, they've, they've run out of other things. They've run out of other methods. Some, some do come just for the entertainment value. I won't, I won't belie that. Something, yeah. oh, you know, it'll be, it'll be a kick, you know, like, yeah, whatever. Like, I wonder if they're actually going to say anything that resonates with Yeah, me, you know, you some know? people yeah. do come in, you know, but but far more often, you know, it, it, it's something serious, you know, mm-hmm. or even if they say they're doing it as a lark sometimes, you know, they really do have something. And then yeah. when you start to do your thing and you start to look at the cards and look at them and start saying things, then all of a sudden the mood twists. You yeah. know, then, then all of a sudden the mood twists a little bit and, and, and then it, it becomes, it, it becomes this, this, like I said, responsibility Yeah, and, and it just goes to show that you can't, you can't fuck with people like, like people, yeah. you know, and I think he felt he could do that because he felt people were. He felt just powerful. like him, right? Yeah. He felt powerful. He felt yeah. it was something he could do. And he assumes everyone is like him. Everyone's in it for the money. Everyone's in it for the dough. He never thought that anybody would take it as seriously. Right. Yeah. You know, and that whole thing he was telling Mary about, you know, oh, you know, we can offer him, you know, hope. Couldn't we provide that, you know, and we save these other people's marriage and stuff like that. That was bullshit. He was telling himself to justify what he was doing. Yeah. As something that was good. Yeah. You know, because if there's one lesson I've learned in my 42 years, (laughs) (laughs) if there's one thing I've learned, the truth, no matter how embarrassing, no matter how painful, no matter how shameful, no matter how angry, no matter if it loses you people, no matter if 
you burn bridges. The truth is always going to turn out better. Yeah. No matter what happens than a lie or a justification for yourself. Yeah. Always. Even, even, you know, because people say I, I didn't say anything because I was afraid of what was going to happen. And yeah. nine times out of 10, it gets worse because they didn't say anything. The thing they were afraid of, they end up making it worse yep. by not just saying it as soon as possible. Yeah. And saying, lie. hey, I, I did this. Yeah. yeah. Hey, I did this. You know, I, I did this. I'm sorry. You know, and, and, and going from there. And they decide that they can't handle that. So they keep it a secret. And then it just makes it worse because then you're compounding the fact that you were lying. Not because no, not only did you do something worthy of apology Mm -hmm. or something, you know, despicable, you know, whatever it was you did. Now you're lying on top of it. Yeah. Which speaks because to your because it, yeah because yeah. your pride is more important than yeah. yeah yeah you don't want to deal with the shame you don't want to deal with the uncomfortableness that comes with having to admit that you fucked up yeah really really bad either because you said something hurtful or you did something hurtful or you did something that was selfish and tried that whatever it happens to be. Yeah. You know, I mean, you know, it just is. And that, and that is one lesson I have, I have had reinforced and reinforced over my 42 years of life. Yeah. You know, and, and even if there's fallout, even if somebody gets mad at you, Mm -hmm. even if somebody decides not to talk to you again, because of what you did, you still told the truth. Yeah. You still told the truth and you're not hiding your mistakes and you have come by that burn bridge, honestly, at the very least. Yeah. You know, and sometimes you just got to take that, you know, and that's Mm -hmm. hard because people want to avoid the uncomfortableness. They want to avoid the pain. Confrontation, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah. They want to avoid whatever it was, Mm -hmm. you know, that they, that they think they're going to feel, you know, and, you know, have somebody lose respect for them is, is a common fear as well. Yeah. And it's like, you know, that's not going to change the longer you wait. It's just not, it's going to be worse. They will lose more respect for you. Yeah. You will be more embarrassed. You will be more shunned Mm -hmm. and, you know, than you already are. You know, and why did be. you tell me this 10 years ago? Uh, you I know? was scared for 10 years. Yeah, right. <laughs> exactly. I mean, I I don't know. And and I think that's it's what we're at the crux of here. Yeah. Being yeah. being yourself and being vulnerable and and allowing yourself to 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 engage with other people in an honest way you know yeah yeah and that's why this movie was so hard to watch it was i mean i mean okay so let's talk about the ending 
Yeah. Oh, yeah. We need to, we need to talk about. Oh, dear God. Yeah. So, Daddy, we need to talk about. Yeah, Daddy. yeah, yeah, yeah. So you find out that, like, I mean, at the beginning, you had seen that, you know, the guy had died, and he placed his body in there and put the place on fire. Yeah. What you find out is that he had like let the guy die. <laughs> like he had he had like to let his dad die. He just grabbed the blanket and just sat there. Until after he threw the window open, no, it's open. And it was snowing and cold outside, yeah. and he took the blanket from his dying dad. And after he said something, I I don't remember the exact wording, but it was basically the equivalent of like, I am glad you were dying. You yeah. know, hey, let's speed up this fucking process. Yeah. Yeah. And then he's so because he had been he had been so wrong about the world. And how he needed to move in it. He lost Molly. The the yeah. the carnival had gone down when he tried to go back there. Um, the doctor screwed him over. He was wanted. They had killed a couple people. Um, and yeah, you know, at that point, his body count was like four. Yeah, you know, like killed his dad, killed killed the the Pete, you know, and then killed those two people, Gimbal and his bodyguard. Yeah. Um, so he's done, he's done every, everything that he had, Molly, the carnival, uh, you know, the doctor, everything gone. He, yeah. he was, he was homeless. You know, he gets on the bus and he's, he gets on the train. He's a, he's a hobo and he makes it down to the, the carnival and finds out it had folded. And then the guy offers him a job, quote unquote. And like I said, this is where the setup pays off because he had been part of that conversation with William Defoe's character, Clem, Mm -hmm. where Clem described how he got a geek, like how he got that particular attraction Mm, by getting these people addicted to opium Mm. and exactly how the speech that he gives and how he draws them in. Yeah. And then he's starting to get that speech. And he realizes what it is. And I don't know whether it's because he feels he deserves it. Because maybe he feels it won't matter to him. I don't know. But for whatever reason, he takes that drink and and says, you know, I was born for it. You know. And uh, and and that's where we're off. He he is. He is that guy he first saw when he got to the carnival. He, he is. Yeah. To that point. It's like he has totally, and that's where I think, like, I know I made the comparison between Nightmare Alley and A Clockwork Orange, but this is where, or that, that's exactly where those two films differ. Night, Nightmare Alley, he takes his fate, he, like, accepts it, and he's like, all right, fine, I fucking deserve this, let's just do it, whereas A Clockwork Orange, he's, he's fighting it all the way through. You know, and mm-hmm. he's he's still like, I've changed. No, it's fine. I don't want it. Da, 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 da. Yeah. You know, so it's like a different kind of feeling bad for them at at the end. But I I, I think if night if Nightmare Alley didn't end the way that it did, I don't think I would have been like totally okay with the ending if it would have ended with like him just going to ask for help and then cliffhanger like open-ended it it at least there's that chance of him climbing back out but now 
it's yeah. like it's it's the despair ending payback like, he's yeah not, he's done like yeah he, he realizes he's at the the end yeah and um and he got himself there yeah you know I mean, so many exits he could have taken. Yep. So many. Hansat is 2020. Yeah, just just drove by them all, you know. Woo, you know. And and yeah, I mean, and and you dawns on you. They I think they set it up well where you start to realize, oh, this is the speech Clem was telling him about, you know. I know what's in that that drink, you know, like and he does too. And you yeah. see it when he sees it and he knows what's going on. And and it's just this. And Bradley Cooper, I thought, really acted that scene very, very well. Um, yeah. He did well there. Um, and, you know, it just makes you think, you know. Yeah. He like, ends off worse than he started. Yeah. Yeah. It's like Rec Room for a Dream also, except that oh, movie's Lord. way yeah. more I, I can all, That's one of those movies I can only watch once. Like, I saw it once. Yeah. Like, that's it. I, I, I don't need it, to watch it again. Yeah. <laughs> I, I made it through twice somehow. Ooh, girl, you're starting And like, nope, I'm good. <laughs> but yeah. it's no, like, I made it through once. And, and I was like, okay, I've seen it cool you know like sit through that emotional record there are a few movies like that for me like um requiem for a dream and saving private ryan oh yeah and uh are like that yeah and uh there's another one i can't think of it but there are a couple like that that i just will not have have you seen a woman the lighthouse oh the god the lighthouse the fucking I, i i watched it once I'm glad I watched it, but I will probably never watch it again. Yeah. Um. For me, uh, the crow. Oh. I've I I've seen the crow once. I was so emotionally shook by it. I'm just like, okay, done. <laughs> it was brilliant. <laughs> I how's your it. how's your bad knee doing? <laughs> God um what i saw that on twitter it was like had the crow thing and it's like if you recognize this how's your bad knee doing today (gasps) like what are you trying to say (laughs) i know that movie my bad my bad knees now um (laughs) uh what else and education and and that's just yeah oh yeah okay that movie i have not been able to pick up again um and uh, I had another one that I was like, I just recently watched this and I'm not going to be able to ever go back and watch it again. I, oh, well, not the same movie, but I just remembered an- another one. Hacksaw Ridge. I am. Oh, yeah. I'm like, mm, no, I'm Ooh. at Mel Gibson. Realism Ooh. was a little too real for me. Um, so yeah. yeah, I'm not going back and watch. See, it. and that's, and that just goes, it's an example of different experiences. Cause I can watch the crow. Yeah. Many times I've seen it. So it doesn't affect me the same way that it does you. That yeah. doesn't mean you're saying, okay, I can watch that once and I'm not doing it. It's, it's wrong. You know, like, yeah, it's just we're different. Right. It didn't affect me the same way. My life experiences were different. Yeah. It didn't hit me that way. I've seen it many times since the first time I've watched it, you know? Yeah. You know? And, uh, and yeah, I I mean, 
I don't know. I mean, I guess in the end, um, the movie Nightmare Alley really makes you think about what it did for me was makes you think about human nature and the fact of how we how we kind of can be the makers of our own destruction, you know, how, how we can, how we can refuse every hand that's offered to us and even bite them, you know, and how we can just bring ourselves to ruin via our human nature and via the trauma that's happened to us. I've said it before, but trauma always comes out as reaction. Yeah. But that's how trauma comes out. If we have trauma, it comes out in how you react to things. It comes out in how you say something. It comes out in how you physically react to it. It's reaction. That's how trauma comes out. Yeah. You you fight or you hole up or you fight or fight, baby. Yeah. But you know, you yeah. and any number of responses. You know, you get anxious. You have a panic attack. You, it's reaction. Yeah. It, it is trauma is reaction. So the, all the people in this were reacting to trauma of various kinds. Everyone, everyone, every single person Molly yeah. had it, you know, Clem probably had, everybody had it. Zena, so, oh, yeah. yeah. All these people, their reactions to things were born out of their trauma. And that's how we react to it. And so it makes you think about your own. Yeah. And how you react to things and how maybe it got you in places it you didn't want to be, how, how it made you do things you didn't necessarily aren't necessarily proud of, how it made you say things you didn't necessarily. Well, you met them at the time, but like if you if you had been in your right mind, you would not have said yeah. those things. And that doesn't take responsibility away from it. You have responsibility for what you say. Yeah. But, but you snapping at somebody or saying something hurtful to somebody is a trauma response. Yeah. You know, if somebody says something to you and your response is to pull something from their past to hurt them with, that's a trauma response that that's, you know, and whether they were trying to hurt you or they were trying to help you, you don't know the difference. Yeah. You, you, you can't tell the difference between that. And that's why it's super important to understand if you are purposely being triggered or if you are triggered is what the person's saying, purposely trying to trigger you or purposely being condescending or purposely being mean, or is that your experience is telling you that there's a difference? Yeah. Right. Because you, you can't have a reaction to things that are, that are innocuous because of your past. Yeah. Because abusers and people who create trauma love to make innocuous things traumatic. Oh, yeah. You know? Oh, do they? You know, little things like, what did you do today? You have an abuser or someone who who has used that against you. That's that's going to do something to you. Why did you wear that and, to work today? Why yeah. did you wear that to class today? Yeah. You know, why, yeah. why, why are you home later? See, you can totally tell I don't have personal experience with this. Yeah. <laughs> and so then when you're with somebody who has no ulterior motive or trauma response that makes them do that. Yep. 
and they say, how was your day today? What did you do? You immediately start thinking, why are you asking me that? No, what are you fucking want? business. Are you, are you, yeah. Are you thinking I'm cheating? Are you thinking yeah. I'm doing something, you know, like, what is it? Even if, even if it's just, they want to know about your day, like, like yeah. literally that's it. Yeah. It doesn't, you know, and even the person who is saying that stuff could be, they're doing it because they're a narcissist Yeah, and they have issues. It could be because of their own trauma response. They've had people doing things behind their back. And so yeah. they are constantly suspicious. You know, it's just this, you know, and this is what the whole movie made me think about was that, that impetus of people and trauma response Yeah, and, and how that can ruin things if you don't have a hold of it. Absolutely. You know? Oh man. Final uh, final thought. That is basically it. All I have to say is if any of y'all are listening to this and you've gotten to this point and you still haven't seen this movie, oh my goodness. (laughs) No, what are you doing? Put us on pause. We are going to be here. Go watch it. It's on Hulu, streaming on Hulu. It has been for a while, you know, and it was nominated. It's also on HBO Max. Oh, nice. Yes. And it was nominated for a shit ton of awards, too. I think it even won a few. I don't I don't remember. I don't really follow awards, but it's worth it to watch. Yes. Just for that introspection, you know, something some things you watch because it's funny. It's going to make me laugh. It's going to make me do this, that, and the other thing. And some things you watch to make you introspective and to make you think and to make you kind of philosophical. And, yeah. and that's kind of what this movie does. It, it, it goes into the, into that, that human, that human theme of trauma response and the things we do to ourselves to hurt ourselves. Yeah. And which is, which is, yeah, you know, a common theme for Del Toro. Yep. You know, choices that we make, even Crimson Peak and, <laughs> uh, you know, um, Shape, Shape of Water, of water. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and, and Hellboy and, and, you know, I mean, even anything that is I mean, done, all you know? of those movies, very heavy, introspective, like, yeah, themes to all of them in some in some way um but yeah so who is and it's always you know Guillermo del Toro talks about monsters and then if you look at his movies like Pan's Labyrinth or um have you seen Pan's Labyrinth yes yes I have yeah Yeah. or like Pan's Labyrinth or hell or any of the other movies that Guillermo del Toro has done it's about monsters right he has monsters in it and in, in this one it was you know a freak show quote unquote you know like but the they weren't school, the monsters yeah but they weren't the monsters yeah and they hardly ever are the shape of water hellboy pan's labyrinth the monsters weren't the monsters nope. the monsters were the people and the people doing things and the normies the yeah th- that was the most monstrous. actual monsters yeah yeah you get to that was, dude at the end and you find out that like he hurt all these women and like, yeah, no, you're the real fucking monsters. Yeah. 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 But speaking of heavy stuff and awesome stuff, uh, 
next time. Yes. Before that, thank you everybody for tuning in again. I hope again, if you haven't watched this or if you made it this far and you haven't paused this yet to go watch it, please do that. You will not regret it. Um, for next time we're staying in the deep end. Like this is a big fucking box that, you know, like can carry like the Ark of the Covenant in it. Right. Next time malignant. That Uh is what we're going to be watching. I still have not seen it, but I know it's at Twitter ablaze. It's James Wan. So I'm already all about James Wan. Yes. Uh, Woo. James Wan. Yeah. I'm interested to see um, what happens Um, in Malignant. I'm I'm excited. It's it's at Twitter. I have not seen it either. Yeah. And I have the feeling Joanna is right in that we will have again, lots of things to talk about. Absolutely. I think I still have malignant muted on my Twitter because people were, were saying shit. And I'm like, I want to know nothing, not even like a sliver of a spoiler. Do not tell me this. So it's still Mm -hmm. fucking muted. Um, I was just, and, and my cat just jumped up on the counter. Katniss, get me. <laughs> Good grief. Sorry. Anyways, please, if you have not done so already, we would love it. If you gave us a follow on Twitter, we are at the box underscore podcast, and you can listen to us on Stitcher, Spotify, Apple podcasts, Google podcasts, Podbean, or basically wherever you listen to podcasts. And remember y'all shake the box. Before you open it. It doesn't get old. And never. <laughs> never. <laughs>